This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Our show, uh, Spirit Matters Talk, spiritmatterstalk.com, is where our podcast can be found. Our guest today, uh, Dr. Nahid Angha. She is a Sufi scholar, human rights activist, women's rights activist, lecturer, translator, and author of over 15 published books. She is the co-director and co-founder of the International Association of Sufism, and uh, founder of the International Sufi Women Organization, and the direct, executive director of the online journal Sufism. Uh, Dr. Anka, thank you so very much for taking the time to come uh, on our podcast today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Nahid, if we may call you that, um, sure. uh, this is, I think, an opportunity for us to uh, inform our listeners about Sufism and its relation to uh, the larger uh, scope of Islam. Uh, maybe uh, for those who are unfamiliar with Sufism or for whom the word Sufism uh, or Sufi is uh, just associated with Rumi and whirling dervishes, perhaps you can give us an overview of what Sufism is and how it fits into the uh, historical picture of Islam. Uh, sure. Uh, well, Sufism... Uh but before I go to Sufism, almost all religions or all faith traditions do have some spiritual schools within themselves. Uh, so other than just listening and doing whatever is on the surface and on the, on the discipline and on the principles, there are some people who would like to actually get to the meaning of all those terms and, and uh, practices that we do. Um, in Islam, the mystical part of uh, Islam is Sufism. So Sufism comes from the heart of Islam and goes back to the time of the Prophet of Islam, 7th century. And um, in and the first uh, Muslim mosque that he built uh, close to his house in Medina, there were a group of people coming from different nationalities. They were not all Arabs. They were from different nationalities. They used to come to that mosque and sit on the platform of his mosque and uh, they would ask questions such as, you are talking about God, so are you the only one who has the experience of this God or is that experience is open to all human beings? And if it is uh, open to all human beings, so how would I, a personal human being, individual human being, would be able to, to experience that uh, um, sacred uh, divinity? So since they were sitting on that platform, they were called Ahle Sufi, the people of the platform. Uh, and uh, over time, after the passing of the Prophet, many of these people went back to their own homeland, and they began to teach whatever they have learned. And for those understanding, they um, began to uh, create the principles of meditation and purification and remembrance and, and everything that would help a human being to come to that point of concentration uh, to understand or to attune himself or herself to receive those spiritual waves. So Sufism comes back to um, 7th century to Medina at the time of the Prophet to a group of people uh, who gradually over time they were called Sufis. And there are many explanations of Sufis, like they were the people of, you know, the Ahl Sufi, the people of the platform, or the people who used to wear wooden, uh, you know, robe, and, and so many different uh, um, assumptions. Ultimately, um, 
there is no uh, root um, word for this word, for the word Sufi. I was looking into some of the old, old texts, and I actually found um, some of the references to the word Sufi that uh, in, in uh, Persian and in Arabic language is Tasawwuf, and ultimately it came to an understanding that Tasawwuf is a combination of four letters, and each one of these letters uh, uh, introduced three different principles. So that became Tasawwuf, and that became a, a, a root for the Sufism. Otherwise, Sufism does not have mm-hmm. any root word in <coughs> either Persian or Arabic language. Mm-hmm. Nahid, I wanted to ask you, uh, within the uh, practice of, within Sufism, uh, as you mentioned before, it, it's sort of a, a mystical uh, religion or a mystical part of Islam. Uh, so uh, you have, as I understand it, techniques uh, that are practiced to give somebody a deeper mystical experience. Uh, what are some of those techniques that you practice, and what is the goal of those techniques? Uh, well, the um, ultimately, uh, in my personal view, because, mm-hmm. you know, we have to remember that Islam is a very individualistic religion. That is why we do not have any special center that all Muslims would, uh, you know, receive their um, instructions from that center. Um, so, my own personal understanding is uh, ultimately all, uh, all creations, everything that we call creation and probably science calls universe or beings. We have some connection, some, some fixed point that creates all these manifestations. The goal of a Sufi is to attune himself or herself to ultimately connect to that essence that, that connects us all. And... Um, According to the slogan of Islam, there is nothing except that there is that divine reality and that divine unity, and ultimately all beings are a part of that um, divine unity. For me, is to understand what is that divinity within me. And for that, there are practices of meditation, and there are practices of, uh, of um, remembrance and, and purifications. And the most important of all these practices is meditation. And one thing that I have to mention is that uh, Sufi meditation is heart meditation, not mind meditation. Mm-hmm. How do you, <clears throat> can you explain that a little further, Nahid, when you yes. say heart meditation? Yes. <clears throat> the reason of, you know, uh, if we pay attention to our own physical system, there are two major, major centers that uh, you know, attract all kinds of waves, energies, our brain activities and our heart activities. And we pay so much attention to our brain and so much attention to to our perceptions and mind activities, even though everything ultimately leads to brain somehow. But Sufis began to think about the first organ that develops in human being is the heart. And ultimately, the organ that dies out is the heart. It means that people can live with brain dead, um, but nobody can live without uh, with um, mm. heart death. You know, ultimately, uh, the um, the organ that um, comes to life first and ends life last is is the heart. So they began to think that there must be some important uh, message within this organ. So that is the connections of before and connections of after, and it it holds a, an important value by itself. Um, so one of the practices of uh, 
heart meditation is that um, gathering all your energies and ultimately bringing your energies toward your chest and toward your heart. And the very first, um, very introductory practice is to listen to your heartbeat. Hmm. It means that ultimately we have to recognize where the heart is. And we pay attention. We teach our system to ultimately focus in the heart. Now, sometimes we think meditation is like relaxation than being a peaceful place, which of course is. But in Sufism, it's concentrations of energies and bringing everything towards your chest and ultimately concentrate all your energies towards your heart. And um, another important matter is that uh, when we concentrate our energies, we develop certain kind of electromagnetic atmosphere around ourselves. And uh, since uh, we practice to gather all the energies that are spiritual, uh, so what you ultimately would receive uh, would be spiritual waves. Uh, and I was thinking about that quite a long time ago when I was reading um, you know, so many different um, Sufi histories and biographies and, and teachings. And I realized that ultimately, sometimes you may think that revelations and inspirations is something that happens to us some, you know, certain people, and maybe it is not really uh, factual, but in reality, when you concentrate all your energies, you do create electromagnetic systems around yourself, and you become a receiver. A receiver not, all, not of all kinds of waves, but you would be the receiver of select waves mm-hmm. that, you, that you attune in yourself. Uh, so one of the primary and very important practices in Sufism is meditation. Okay, uh, Nahid, also, uh, when we, many of us think of Sufism, uh, and maybe this is correct, maybe it's incorrect, uh, we associate it with uh, dance or a type of dance where the, uh, the, the dancer gets up and spins. I, I think it's called a whirling dervish. And in yes. that uh, procedure, that uh, practice of dance that they're doing, they go very deeply inward. They have some type of mystical inner experience. Is this uh, another form of of, of prayer or or technique to, to accomplish what your meditation accomplishes as well? Uh, if you remember, you know, in the history of Sufism, when all those, you know, the students went back to their own homelands and they began to teach what they were, mm-hmm. what they have studied, over time, different schools of Sufism, Sufism began to develop. Uh, and in, in, you know, some parts of the world, and one of the major, major, um, Sufi centers that still exist uh, was um, Persia, the present time Iran. So there are so many different uh, Sufi schools that each one of these schools focus on one of the principles, most likely. There are mm-hmm. Sufis that they are very in the state of, uh, uh, you know, uh, rapture and, and ecstasy. There are Sufis who are very intellectual and philosophical. There are so Sufis that they are meditative. There are Sufis who are on the social service. Uh, pro, you know, principles. So there are many different schools of Sufism has developed. One of the schools of Sufism is Mevlavi, that relates to Rumi. Uh, and um, the, one of the practices of uh, meditation and the spiritual attunement to that divine energy is the whirling dervish. Mm-hmm. It is the whirling. It means that, you know, you're um, turning around yourself, not only you are turning like, a, like uh, the earth around yourself, but also you are turning around the center, which is, uh, you know, in, in the case of uh, the Vlavi Sufis, it is the, the teacher. 
Um, and um, and that's a very fascinating and very concentrated energy, uh, you know, receiving from divine and giving to the nature and to the human uh, beings. It is a very concentrated uh, practice, and that is a state, uh, a, that is a state of very deep meditation. Mm-hmm. But it is for one school of Sufism, not right. all schools of Sufism. Right, and <clears throat> I think um, if I'm if I'm correct. Your lineage is uh, a different from from yes. the one you just described that's associated yes. with with uh, Rumi. Can you tell us something of uh, your lineage? And while you're at it, can you tell us? Um, it sounds were you born in Iran and and came to the U.S. Uh, later on? Or? Yes, um, my um, well, I was born into a Sufi uh, family. My father was a Sufi master, ah. and um, uh, so I was born into Sufism, but I did not choose Sufism because I was born into Sufism. Um, my father was a very open-minded, um, you know, teacher. So he had many students, including, you know, his family. Uh, one of the things that did attract me to Sufism was that um, the intensity of how much he knew. He knew a great deal of different sciences and, and different... Um, not only a spiritual, philosophical, scientific, and he became a, a, an embodiment of a universal mind to him, to me. And I actually wanted to learn whatever he knew. That became my motivation in learning more about um, Sufism. Uh, the lineage that I come from is called Uwaisi, and Uwaisi uh, relates to, um, again back to the time of the Prophet, relates to a, a, a Sufi who was living in Yemen, and he was called Oves, and, and his style of practice was that he actually did not see the Prophet, uh, you know, eye to eye or in a physical sense, but he was inspired by his teachings. So the Oves style became a group of Sufis who were, who were um, beginning to receive the teachings rather than uh, receiving the presence of a physical teacher. So they began to learn from the, uh, for example, learning from the teachings of the of the prophet, of teachings of these Sufi masters. Now, there are a group of people who are called Oasis, and they are not in one any special kind of lineage. And some of them are, in, you know, in a special kind of lineage, like uh, teacher to student. But a majority of them are not because there is no assignment of anything in in the Oasis um, Sufism. And the, and the principle of that school is that you receive your inspirations and teachings from the teaching of a teacher rather than, you, you know, you're focusing around the physical presence of a teacher. You may have a physical presence of a teacher and you may not have. Uh, but I was, I was also educated in the United States. I was, a, you know, I was, sometimes I tell myself that I have gone through 60s twice. <laughs> Once I was when I was a sudden killer, it was you know during the sixty times, and then when I go back to Iran, it was another sixty <laughs> right. that I had experience, uh, and then we came um, to the United States um, seventy eight. Can uh, Sufi practitioners, members of, of of your religion, can they practice openly in uh, Islamic countries now, like Iran? Or is, uh, are they accepted or not? Uh, well, uh, Sufism has been a great part of the Persian culture for a long, long time, since the beginning of its, you know, its uh, life. 
and there have been many Sufi masters that almost, almost all Sufi masters or Sufi schools somehow relate themselves to the Persian Sufis. At the present time, the world is a very confusing place, so I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, I'm not sure what is going on with, with people. It doesn't matter if you are a part of uh, Sufism or not. Uh, in, in the world of chaos, uh, actually, there is no special law. So I really don't know. But, but uh, that was the case in Persia, and, and many of the countries actually were welcoming, very, welcoming Sufis. Um, for a long, long time. And I think still it is. Um, sometimes you hear conflicting ideas. I really, I'm not sure if they have any factual basis to them or not, but Sufis have been very much welcomed all over the world, including the United States. And, and also in India. I spent a lot of time in India, and there's uh, a, a long tradition yes. of uh, Sufis and, and Sufis and Hindus and uh, yogis uh, coming together and um, actually borrowing practices from each okay. other, and and some of the great poets like Kabir and um, are are of uh, Sufi lineage. Most people, when uh, these days, when they think of Islam and uh, they 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 know there are Sunnis and Shiites, but I think it's terribly important, and you probably do too, to to let people know about the Sufi uh, lineages of Islam, and um, which seem to be very much parallel to uh, the esoteric or mystical traditions of other religions. People don't know much about them because it's uh, sort of hidden and not um, as visible. Um, you are involved with the International Association of Sufism, uh, and could you tell us what the mission is and what the purpose of it is? Is obviously to let people know about Sufism. Uh, yes. Uh, well, going to um, India, the the, uh, the main uh, Sufi order that is in, that actually were gradually developed in India is the Chishti order. That uh, they are beautiful musicians and poets. Uh, and one of the uh, important things that we need to um, understand is that since Sufism, uh, just probably just like all the mystical paths, uh, is, is so open to, uh, to understanding, because ultimately it is not the frames and it is not the limited understanding that brings us to that essence of all that there is. So it is a feeling, especially that Sufism comes with its music and with, with the language of poetry, it becomes very appealing and is mingled with other other um, traditions. Uh, so that is one of the reasons that has it, Sufism has been welcomed to many different cultures, because it mm. does not come in a clash with cultures, but in attunement with cultures. And um, there are, of course, Shiites and, Sufi- and Sunnis in Islam, just like any other religions. There are, diff- you know, there are different practices and there are different uh, history to each one of these schools. Uh, there have been Sufis who are coming from the Sunni background, and there are Sufis who are coming from the Shiite background, but ultimately um, those um, um, names uh, did dissolve itself into the world of Sufism, and uh, at some point they became like Sufis rather than I'm a Sunni or I'm a Shiite. Mm -hmm. Uh, International Association of Sufism was was, um, established in 83 in the United States. 
And the mission that we have, there are so many different um, schools of Sufism all around the world. And we are so much attuned and we are so much um, in love with our own practices that we hardly talk with one another. Just like all the, you know, different religions. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are a Jewish and if you are, um, you know, uh, of different uh, background, if you are Christian of different backgrounds, you are so much uh, attuned and focused on your own practice and hardly you pay attention to others. The same thing happens, you know, it is universal, the stories. So we have decided to create an organization, regardless of all the schools of Sufism, so it does not have a a title of this is from this school of Sufism. It is open to all Sufi schools. And we wanted to create a forum uh, that invites all Sufis from different schools and all Sufi masters to a weekend of conversation. And we have been very successful. I was not sure when we began this story that, uh, I, you know, it, it would actually happen. And actually it did happen. We began to invite Sufis from around the world, from all the way from Indonesia, all the way to West Africa. And they all came over time. So, and I thought that I would have one year of Sufism symposium. It lasted for 20 years. Wow. Mm. Uh, um, go ahead. Yes, uh, and it lasted for 20 years. And, you know, and, and I remember on the 10th years, I was filling all these um, T-shirts that, you know, this is my, it is lots of hard work. And uh, this would be the last year, and everybody told me that you cannot do this. You still have to continue. Uh, so we have uh, created, um, established a uh, forum for all um, Sufis to come to, um, to conversation with one another, and we have been very successful in that. And over time, we have created an actual Sufi, international Sufi family. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and um, was, uh, last year, we have published a book of all these Sufis who came together in that spirit of friendship and harmony, and we published that book, and it's called Caravan. And uh, I think in there we have the biographies of almost 200 Sufis of the present time. Uh, Nahid, um, you, you are uh, the founder of the uh, Sufi Women's Organization, yes. and uh, yes. part of uh, what uh, the Sufi Women's Organization does is it advocates for women's and uh, children's rights. Uh, tell us yes. about that. Well, we over time we became, you know, uh, NGO of the Department of Public Information of the United Nations. So we were able to, you know, give lectures and participate in some of the decision makings. Not that we were decision makers, but you know, we would be able to listen and, and see what was going on. And uh, we, um, and that was 92. And in 92, we began to, uh, you know, invite again. Um, we began with Sufi women from around the world, but gradually changed to women, whoever was open, um, to come together. And we created a code of et ethics all together. It took us about uh, eight months. And then gradually we began to pick, you know, organizations who are on the women's, um, you know, they contribute to the women's rights or, or, you know, advocates for women's rights and children. And we began to work with them, disseminate their um, information, financial support to them, and take active uh, participation in some of the projects that they have. And um, uh, so we have been supporting, um, uh, you know, refugees in, in Sub-Sahara, uh, pro providing immunization, uh, uh, clean water, um, education, supplies, and, and for the last um, 
I think it's like 15, mm-hmm. 16, or 20 years. Um, now, he didn't, uh, the way the world is now, there's a lot of um, attention on Islam. Some of it is um, sympathetic, and, and much of it is antagonistic. Um, is part of your mission to educate the, the larger world, the, the people uh, who are the non-Islamic world, on uh, the Sufi interpretation of Islam and of the Quran, and uh, to sort of correct misperceptions of of Islam that that exist. Well, there are a few things that I would like to mention. One is that first of all, there is no uh, religion or faith tradition in the world that I know of that had not created violence against other people. Right. So none of us is innocent of anything. That is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout uh, history, uh, we, we have seen that. And the reason is that religion or faith tradition is such an, or probably the only most powerful agent that we can use. Uh, we may be a part of this political system, that political system, but ultimately, uh, almost all of us, the entire world is a part of a religion. So religion becomes such a such an powerful agent and not always self-serving, uh, not always serving humanity, most likely mm-hmm. self-serving. That is one thing. Uh, second is that the biggest, um, uh, you know, confusion is that we always sacrifice the bigger story for smaller stories. Uh, for the, uh, you know, probably the population of the world, I think probably is like six, seven billion people, and, and Islam is the second largest. Uh, so all these billions of people suddenly they are uh, they are hijacked by the story of like if I don't know how many people a few hundred thousand people. Uh, so that creates some kind of animosity, or, and actually it becomes a label to the religion. That is something that needs education. Uh, there are political systems, and each political system serves under whatever that serves. We create an ideology, and that ideology is sellable. We can sell to the nations, and we use that ideology for our own uh, ambition. Uh, that is something that we have to understand. Um, first of all, no religion is innocent. Second is that why we are letting a group of people who hijack the religion, we let them hijack the religion. So in reality, it is not that a group of people are hijacking the a religion, we let them hijack the religion mm-hmm. because we also let them uh, create such a, such a negative and such a violent portrait of a religion that is peaceful. Mm-hmm. Nahid, uh, uh, getting back to the mystical side of, of Sufism, uh, do you, uh, in your own daily life, uh, practice the, your meditation uh, every day or is it a big part of your daily routine? Uh, yes, of course, I, I meditate. Um, you know, Whenever I can, and, uh, and most most of the time during the night time, mm-hmm. I meditate. And um, you know, the o- over time it becomes you know whatever you practice, um, and, and I think it's true for every human being. Whatever becomes the focus of our life becomes our life. Uh, so it doesn't matter that if you are sitting, you know, two hours for meditation or, or not. Ultimately, it becomes your lifestyle. 
And uh, one of the practices in Sufism is that, that you have to teach by your own example. Uh, many Sufis, actually not many Sufis, all Sufis somehow are a part of community service uh, programs and they, you know, once you learn, you become responsible to honor humanity, to serve humanity. And um, so that also is, is, is a practice. It means that, uh, you know, I'm receiving uh, from this bounty of the universe, you know, I take as much as I need, not more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, as a sign of association to whatever you receive, you also serve the greater cause. Um, so I meditate and I'm always, um, you know, contributing and serving. Um, Nahid, if, if people think of a spiritual practice they associate with Sufism, in, in addition to uh, whirling dervishes, which we already mentioned, um, some people uh, know the term uh, dicker. Yes. if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Can you explain that? Because people, especially if they've gone to interfaith uh, gatherings, or you know, they may have been exposed to dicker. Uh, can you explain what that is and the varieties of it? Yes. Zik uh, itself means remembrance. Mm. And the uh, majority of the Sufis, you know, you sit in a, in a, in a, in a circle, and most of the Sufis sit on the floor. Uh, you sit on a circle and you begin to chant, and you chant the names of God, or, or most of the Sufis use the chanting of La ilaha illallah, means that there is no uh, limited self, all that there is is the divine presence. And they uh, chant it, you know, different Sufis chant um, this um, phrase, um, um, you know, 100 times, um, sometimes 110 times, sometimes more, more than that. Uh, so that is a remembrance. But remembrance has a very profound meaning in Sufism. One is the, you know, open, uh, you know, remembrance, which is that chanting, that people sit and, and chant. And then gradually, it be, you know, people would receive private chanting. They would receive a name mm-hmm. that they chant between themselves, and it becomes a part of their meditation. Zikr means a remembrance. Very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Nahir, Nahid, thank you so very much uh, for, for joining us today. And are there any uh, other final words that you would like to share with our listeners about Sufism and about your work in Sufism? Uh, well, one of the things that we have created, uh, and, we are, uh, and I'm very uh, happy that it continued, uh, was the Sufism Symposium that, uh, you know, we celebrated its 20 years of you know mm-hmm. anniversary, uh, and, and it, con- it still continues. And of course, it names changes from Sufism Symposium to the Songs of the Soul Festival. And this time, we have um, Songs of the Soul Festival in April um, 9th, which is going to be in um, San Rafael, Moon County. And uh, another uh, program that we have developed is the. Uh, uh, is the Women's Wisdom, Women in Action, uh, um, a series of the lectures by the women leaders who are in this area. And that is going to happen in March uh, 5th, and it's still in San Rafael, Murray mm-hmm. County. I am also um, have been organizing and participating in the organization of a conference in Egypt that is also in March, uh, of women uh, from around the world who have uh, changed their uh, 
their communities and their um, societies for betterment. Are you uh, um, are you paying particular attention to the involve the engagement of women in Sufism? Um, I don't know the history of uh, women in in Sufism, but we hear a lot about uh, uh, the role of women in in other branches of Islam. Uh, well, Sufis, uh, there's a little bit difference between um, all these roles. Uh, there have been Sufi teachers since the beginning of time, of the, of the life of Sufism. And these Sufi women have their students. Um, and, but, uh, but cultures always play such an important mm. role in, the, in the, uh, writing the biographies of these Sufis. Somehow they disappear, sometimes they become the footnote in another Sufi man, uh, master. And ultimately, uh, you know, it goes back and forth. Mm. Uh, there have been great many Sufi teachers um, in Sufism, women. And one of the things that I was able to do was in that of, in the first Sufism symposium that we had, in the central circle, that main circle that usually men uh, Sufi masters sit, I actually sat on that circle. And I also uh, led a zikr that everybody uh, would, uh, would repeat. So that was the beginning of a whole change in the in the actual presence of the Sufi women in the very secluded um, circles that were reserved for our Sufi men. Very good. And, well. and from then I was able to, to actually you know, bring and, uh, and organize and make sure that it happens that our Sufi women uh, stand side by side by our Sufi men. Very good. good. And I, um, I wanted to mention, Phil, uh, and then yeah. take it from there, uh, the International Association of Sufism uh, people can look that up at just simply IAS.org. So that's the website, IAS.org. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, I was going to ask Nahi to mention that because uh, people may want to know more about Sufism and maybe uh, explore uh, the uh, teachings on a, on a local level. Um, how would they go about Finding more information, or per, are there Sufi centers or mosques uh, throughout? Uh, well, the country? there are many Sufi uh, teachings. Uh, uh, in the, if you are thinking about the United States, there are many Sufi teaching centers uh, around in the United States, and in our area, there are also Sufi uh, centers. And one of um, those Sufi centers is ourselves, because other than uh, you know, being an international association of Sufism, we also have our own school of, of Oasis Sufism. And um, we have our center, Khanagha, which, uh, you know, Khanagha is, is a Sufi temple. Um, that uh, Khanagha actually means that, uh, the uh, house of time. Um, um, so there are many Sufi centers in the United States and also in California and mm -hmm. in the Northern California and also ourselves. I have one last question. Can, can somebody uh, uh, learn uh, uh, the meditation that you practice and not be a Sufi, not be Islamic, be Christian, be Jewish? Uh, it, it, the practices that you have for, for mysticism, for mystical experience, are they available only to people that belong to the religion or for anyone? For anyone. Very good. But if, if it was, uh, it was, if it was, uh, uh, you know, in my personal opinion, if it was another banner that would limit people, then uh, you know, <laughs> why, why it becomes like universal? No, right. yeah. it, is, it should be open to all. Right. Right. 
which is a, a hallmark of Sufism. It's yes. been it's been great to have you on the show oh, and to um, educate people about uh, the tradition. And once again, the uh, website is IAS dot org, yeah. International Association of Sufism. And I recommend you go to that site because I've been to it, and there's a tremendous amount of information and uh, really laid out very clearly and practically and. Uh, I think so, something we'd all like to learn more about. And uh, Nah Nahid, uh, thank you so very much for your time coming on with oh, us. I, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I appreciate. Thank you so much for the invitation, and uh, uh, thank you so much. Very good. Thanks. Have a good day.